All right, listen up, spuds. This is Zap Brannigan, eh? master of time, space, and everything else in between. And, uh, oh, yeah, winner of this year's Modesty Award. Yeah. You're listening to You Suck. What's the difference with Al and Tom? You're one stop for this sort of thing. Yeah. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to You Suck, What's the Difference? The show that takes a, a look at each other's uh, uh, cultures and they say, hey, what's the difference? You know, building bridges over the Atlantic is what we like to do because uh, during my uh, my extensive podcast career, I've made many friends and we've had conversations that have just hit a brick wall and kind of like, what, what did you mean by that? It happens all too frequently, right, Andy? 100%. I remember the first time you called me a numpty. I thought that that was a tasty <laughs> beverage. <laughs> it's true we, we, say, we say these silly things over in the uk we've got the best swear words and silly words for things um uh, andy is joining me today instead of tom bruno tom is being selfish and spending time with the family on vacation how dare he you know so um andy i'm from washington state is joining us today thank you andy for joining us oregon state but thank you very much alex oh, i appreciate see you. there you we go again but you got to let Tom out of the closet once in a while. You can't just keep him locked up in there. He already thinks he's Harry Potter. But like you got to, you got to be able to move him around a little bit. Uh, I so know. Hey, let me just say right off the bat, uh, I am a huge, huge barbecue fan, and the yeah. only proper style is Texas barbecue, baby. You are right about that. You know, a solid second is definitely goes to Tennessee, but I mean, I'm a huge fan of Memphis, Tennessee barbecue as well. But I do have to agree with you when it comes to it. Texas does it better. My man. So, yes, uh, let's introduce Slade, actually. He's like, oh, Slade, who's this guy, Slade, that we're talking about barbecue with? Uh, very promising young actor who's starring in, starring in Luke, Luke Wilson's new movie, 12 Mighty Orphans, and that's Slade Monroe. Thank you very much, Slade, for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This is a, real, this is a unique experience for me. I'm very chuffed that you're here. Chuffed means happy, by the way, in the UK. Um, <laughs> very happy to, uh, to have you here. Uh, now, we like to speak to people on either side of the, the movie-making world. We like to be, speak to creators, voice actors. You saw Billy heard Billy West at the beginning there. And, of course, up-and-coming promising new actors like yourself. Um, and it's my wife, actually, that brought you into the, into the fold here today. So thank you, wife, Carolina Whiteley. Uh, you're amazing. Thank you. Um, and you are... She's amazing. She's awesome. Um and you're just starting out in your career. I think it's very interesting when we kind of grab you guys when everything's just a little bit really exciting and new and I imagine tense, intense as well for you, right? It's it's everything. I mean, it, it's it's happy. It's it's unique. It is. Uh, it, it's a lot. It is not enough. It is. It is a a new embrace to the world for me, and I. Yes, this is my first ever acting gig. I, I've never done anything professionally prior to this. The last thing that I had done was a high school play about a year prior. So it, it was a complete flip of attitude and mindset that I had to had to get into when, when starting this project. Huge escalation in, in uh, mm -hmm. responsibilities, right? I mean, is, is, it, is, it, is it like, the, the, you know, we see in the movies and things like that? It's like, so it goes from high school, like, hey, guys, we're doing this amazing play. This is fantastic. We're all really happy to be here to where the fuck is Slade? Why is he not in this? Where, where is this? Where, like, is it like that intense straight away? Bam. Or did they break you in gently? It was definitely, it was, I would say it's probably a gentle process. Now, 
granted, I don't have any other way to, of, of viewing it. Yeah. Um, our, our set team, our crew and our cast were really fantastic. I had, I had no problems with anybody. I, I don't think I gave any, any problems to them. I, I mean, I sure hope not. If I did, that was certainly not the intention, but I showed up to day one and I, I mean, I kind of felt like, like I'm new guy on the block, but welcomed all the same. And so I, I had, I had a, a blast with these people. My, my director, Ty Roberts, he kind of took me under his wing. Um, and I never felt like I couldn't come up to him with an idea or a suggestion or, or, or a question. Yeah. Yeah. And when did and you decide to go down the acting road? I'm a little curious because normally people your age and even my age, you know, they jump on YouTube and they think this is how I'm going to make my big break. And as far as I can tell, you're a little bit limited on, on like the social media full, you know, uh, improv videos or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not super active in, you know, the, the internet sphere and, uh, especially, especially as I used to be, I have certainly separated myself to some extent, but my start kind of, kind of came the the seed was planted when I was really young. When I, when I was a, a kid, I went and watched um, the play or yeah, the play young Frankenstein. Um, and prior to that, I had watched the movie young Frankenstein, the Gene Wilder flick from the 1960s or seventies or so. And that was kind of like the moment that I tied two and two together that, that actors were actual people. They, they weren't just, figments on screens. They actually, they were people in our living world that are, you know, filling shoes. And so that was kind of when, like I said, the seed was planted, you know, skip ahead 15 years. Um, I decided to do, to, to pursue this simply because it was just a passion of mine. It was, um, life makes a whole lot of sense when I'm on set, when I'm in a character and, and it's, it's the thing that I love to do. And so the, really the flip of the switch was when I was about 18 or so. And, and that's when I decided, you know, I don't, I don't see myself doing anything and I would much rather give it a shot and with the potential of failing down the road, than going the rest of my life doing something that I don't enjoy and asking what if. Amazing. I love that because you have that passion and that drive from a very young age. I always think like, cause I, I picked up me and me and Andy have become very good at this podcast and stuff. We've done good things with it. Right. But if mm -hmm. I had done this when I was your age, if I'd have gone, Oh yeah, I could do stuff with my voice. I can go on the radio and stuff. I'd probably be rich right now, but I'm not, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy doing a podcast in his bedroom, but Hey, I love what I do. Um, what I did want to ask you was, um, mm -hmm. is me and Andy are branching into sort of like the, the voice acting thing. You, you've done like books and stuff, Andy, right? You've, you've done, audio mm -hmm. books mm -hmm. the way i i <laughs> the, the way I, I i learned that i can do accents and voices and things like this is i just i i walk around the house and i just talk to myself in different accents and my, my wife thinks i'm insane she's actually like, are you okay do we need to get someone out to come and speak to you? and then next thing i know um i'm, I'm i work it I do do a bit of acting and my my gaff is kind of like yo can you do an irish accent for like three hours and i'm like sure thing you know, but I know that because I've been wandering around the house like an idiot. Like, hey, how's it going? My name's Alex. I'm from Ireland. I'm from Cork. Ha ha. He de he. You right? 
when it comes to finding characters and things that you're capable of, is there a lot of that self sort of role playing with yourself, sort of just just being loose? You know, absolutely. I I mean, I, I do feel like I, I put myself into the role, um, especially in this scenario. You know, when, when I'm on stage, it's completely different. I'm, I'm big, I'm boisterous and loud. Um, but a lot of that I, I had to reel in for being on set when the camera's, you know, right in front of you. And so being my first character, my first ever professional work, I tried to I like to visualize it as kind of a Venn diagram of sorts, you know, on one hand is me. And on the other hand is the character. Uh, in this case, it's the role of weedy. And I try and kind of pinpoint picture. picture of weedy. There we go. Yeah. Hey. Uh, that, nah, was, that was actually uh, photographed by my mother. Um, hey, yes, she was an extra on set. So, you know, oh, nice. Good, you know, <laughs> trying to nice. try to give back a little, um, <laughs> but the Venn diagram, I, I try and kind of pinpoint where on it I should put myself, how yeah. much I, what percentage of myself that should be it rather than what percentage of the character should be in it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, and I do that too. I, I walk around the house just talking to myself. Like, I mean, if, if there was ever a camera in view just on my day to day, I'd probably look crazy, but I mm -hmm. completely understand. <laughs> I mean, there's a story yeah. that Luke Wilson used to do the same thing after his brother Owen got famous. And he was like, well, maybe I'll try this thing, too. He used to just walk around his house, or so I'm told, just looking into mirrors going, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I said, right, I listened, I listened to his armchair expert interview with Dak Shepard um, a, a few weeks ago. Uh, mm. Luke, uh, Luke. I'm gonna, I've written Luke and Owen Wilson's name down because I don't want to get I get mixed up all the time, right? Um, and, he yeah, he does a great impression. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like walking on set with the great and powerful Luke Wilson? Like, it's like oh, this is your first big gig, right? It's not just that. There's there's Martin Sheen as well, right? So there's these two yes. massive actors, and you're like, oh my god! Like, was it, did you have a did you go home and have a bit of a wig out, or just a case of this is my moment to shine? Got to keep it in. Check. I was certainly uh, uh, nerding out a bit, to be completely honest. Yeah. Being being the cinematic lover that I am, I grew up watching those two. So it, it was, um, it was a bit surreal that, that I was working with them and they're, they were right in front of me. Uh, you know, Luke, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was interesting because I got to see so many different perspectives and acting approaches because this is a, this is a movie of several different age groups. We have the orphans, such as myself, who at the time uh, of shooting, I was 19. We had several people who were 18. I mean, the age range was 18 to 25 for the orphans. And then we had, you know, Luke, who is, um, I mean, he's not old, but he's, you know, he's older than, than we are. He's had way more experience than, than we have. Yeah. And then there was Martin, who, I mean, he is a master of his craft. Uh, to see him at work was a unique experience that could never be taught in a classroom. It, it's something that you'd have to visualize or be there in the moment to, to truly take in and understand. So to work with those two was, was the best masterclass that I could have. And, and to kind of know how to, to nav navigate the industry as just good, decent people that they were. I mean, um, Martin is a wonderful guy 
uh, and, and we all just loved him. Luke, he's a wonderful guy too. So it, it was really, it was really interesting to see these people who have all the reason in the world to show arrogance, but had none at all. Nice. And obviously this, this, uh, this film's based on a book, right? It's based on real events. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, is it a case of okay? I've got research to do. I've got books to read. I know, I need to make sure that I've got this nailed. Of course, that's right. You're you're a professional, mm -hmm. right? Um, what was that yes. like? Yes. I yeah. We we did a lot of research for it. Uh, I read I, I read the book prior to um, prior to the shooting. I uh, I finished the book probably about a week into shooting and started it about a week before because I, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of time to, um, you know, to turn things around and, and figure it out. And so I did use a lot of my prior experiences from my own football days. I played football from the third grade onto my freshman year in high school. And so, yeah, I, I took from a lot of resources, what I already knew. Uh, and then I actively looked for what I didn't know. And so the book was certainly a, a roadmap for me, for sure. And, um, and there was definitely enough in the book about Weedy to show me his emotional highs and lows. Amazing. And it, historical facts as well. I mean, I'm just learning about NFL now and American football, right? It's my third, no, second and a half. This will be my third season, actually, watching NFL when it starts in September. Yeah. Um, historically, <laughs> historically, everything's got to be perfect, right? When it comes to, like, we'll, we'll bring this picture up again. The, the uniforms, the helmets, the, 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 the boots. Look at those boots. They don't even look like they've got studs or anything. Like, what was that level like to wear? All this old gear. Getting into the gear... I mean, so much of the costume does make the character too. It feel it feels different. I don't really know how to explain it, but when 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 I get into a costume, I just I feel different. I feel more in the in the yeah. mindset of it. And um, but in this case, I got to compare modern football tech to to what they used then, because like I said, I played football before and and the stuff was pretty comfortable. Like modern modern football gear is, is relatively comfortable uh but that stuff is not it is far from it i mean that is that is actually a cotton shirt a cotton jersey we had leather pads that wrapped right under the armpits and um wow. we always have like an undergarment to make sure that those straps didn't rub you raw and uh the helmets they didn't they i mean i don't even know why you'd even have those or what <laughs> the audio listeners we should probably put air quotes around yeah. helmet and pads because yeah. those old pads and helmets i don't know i don't even know like it's a bit of do anything it's, it's a stretch <laughs> it's a stretch for, for the, the term protection right <laughs> it's like foam with like leather over the top of it guys it looks like it looks like the the, the helmets are air pilots used to wear but with less protection, and yet these guys are running into each other. It's crazy. Uh, but I, mean, many, I won't bring up. Go I got to ask you this question, you guys. Honestly, truly, I mean, looking back on the history of football, how many footballers do you think actually did turn their brains into Orange Julius, and and they just didn't realize it? Like they thought, oh, early onset dementia, poor guy. He started playing football in the '30s, and now he's in his '50s or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? I imagine a lot. It's probably still hats today, and they wear like proper helmets. Like the, you know, mm -hmm. it's uh, you can only do so much. You know, you know, even even modern modern helmets aren't aren't enough 
to protect the brain. So you're talking 30 yeah. years ago, I'd, I'd say all of them. And they say uh, that they say that like pads and helmets have gotten so good now that we're actually hitting each other so hard that it's doing damage and you don't realize it. Whereas mm -hmm. back then, um, and you know what, taking a note from the UK, Alex, uh, stuff like rugby, no pads. And so guys aren't going to go a hundred percent. They're not going to go full speed into each other because they know that we're both going to get really injured. Yeah. There's a difference between uh, sports players back then. I mean, like when you look at, okay, so I have this, uh, this issue with American football uh, slade. It's been an ongoing thing. This is what's the difference, right? It's all about our, our different mm -hmm. cultures. I, I love the NFL. I've, I've completely abandoned British football or soccer, as you call it, because I mm -hmm. think it's just a game for, Prima donnas diving around. Oh yeah. my god, overpaid, right? Idiots, right? So I, I've kind of stepped away, but I still refusing it to call it um, football. I call it American hand egg because I thought I think America were kind of like, yeah, we got this uh, this different sport. It's used with a ball that's shaped like an egg, and we're going to use our hands to carry it, but we're going to call it football because we're unoriginal. So uh, <laughs> it's American hand egg. But for, for today's purposes, we've been professionals. We're talking about film about uh, American football. Um, what the <laughs> Can we can we briefly tell the the listeners um, about the the kind of the the plot? Not don't want to spoil it. Obviously, uh, what is this film about, Slade? So the film is your. I mean, it, it's a, it's an underdog story. Ultimately, it's it's a true to life underdog story that is based in the 1930s um, during the Great Depression, and at this time, um, orphans were kind of considered second class citizens, and so. The story is about a man named Rusty Russell who it gets hired on to um, a place called the Masonic Home. It's an orphanage, essentially. And so, you know, at the time, if you were an orphan, it, you, during the Great Depression, those are two big whammies. And, uh, and so, essentially, what this movie is about is Rusty Russell taking these kids, these broken characters, and building them back up. And being their father figure and giving and giving these kids a purpose, uh, a, a, a sense of self-confidence and self-worth. Nice. Like that. I saw the trailer. I, like I, I was like, I, I, I'm living in this um, first world uh, drama kind of, oh my God, I can't watch it now right now i looked for it on amazon on netflix on disney i looked everywhere for it i couldn't watch it now so i had to make do with the trailer mm -hmm. and i watched the trailer and i think <laughs> and he's laughing at me i know man it's just a great it's a weird world we live in right now i mean like scarlett johansson's suing disney because they released it on on, on demand and uh, disney's kind of mm -hmm. like well what did you what did you wanted us to do like you know um so yeah we have to wait until i think it's the 31st of august in the uk i believe it's released the first of August. Um, I think that's I think that's right in the UK, possibly. I, yeah, Slade, I apologize. I was going to watch the trailer, but instead I watched something called uh, Chess Game Cheerleaders. I didn't realize until <laughs> the end that uh, that was not the trailer for your movie, but it also was starring you, right? Chess Game Cheerleaders is that is that in reference to uh, that the SNL skit? Wait, how'd you find it's that? It is one of your reels on your website, my friend. Oh my goodness! Uh -huh. I completely forgot of Oh wow, that that just brought back flashbacks. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that was. I think I was seventeen or eighteen in that. That, that was kind of like when I started to get um uh, get the ball rolling with you had me acting. So you had me laughing. It was good. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I had a blast with that. My partner, um, I, I believe his name is Eric. I haven't, I haven't seen him since then. And uh, yeah, we, we just, we did a lot of scenes together for about a week. And, uh, and that was the one that I landed on. That was like, I, I, I enjoyed this. I, I had a lot of fun with this. So I want to show that. Fun with it. That's funny, man. That's funny. But can I ask, I mean, is there anything that you're thinking about doing with, a YouTube channel highlighting yourself, highlighting your range, or, I mean, are we just kind of on a TikTok. rocket ship to the moon now? On a rocket ship to the moon? Uh, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. It, well, I mean, you know, this is, it's ironic. This is your first film, and mm -hmm. it's also uh, Luke Wilson's last film. But, no, I, I joke. I, <laughs> I was like, what? I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Andy, do you know something we don't know? <laughs> Andy with the uh, Hollywood Inside Gossip. Like, da -da 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 -da. <laughs> Well, but what I mean by that is what kind of doors are you starting to see open now that this film is right around the corner and it's got some big names in it and it's got your name in it? Well, certainly the work is not over. Um, I, I am still hungry and um, the doors have, have started to open a little bit more and, and, and it's nothing like legit or, or down packed, but um I have heard some things that have been promising. That being said, you never know in this industry. So um, really my goal at the moment is just to not get a big head about it because mm -hmm. I, like I said before, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm just going to work for work for it. And yeah, I've, I've been in contact with some really great people who worked on this film. Some just some really genuine people. And, uh, and I'm going to just see where the ball rolls nice it just goes to show that everybody wants to be the quarterback right because <laughs> yeah. be, when you're a quarterback whether you're in real life when the movie everybody's like oh who's that quarterback you know they just know that position straight away um it's a, i know it's a definitely a scary time for you i mean like i can't speak for you i i, I got a, a couple of friends that are just started off in in the industry one of them is my good friend alex alexander westwood um he's got a few good a few parts in in in, in uh, sex education on netflix and a couple of bits and i work with him i work at a closed prison and it's an immersive acting venue mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's a, an attraction um and i'd see him every week and he'd be like, oh, my God, I had to be, he has to be so careful. He had to be so careful, like contracts, things he'd sign up for just in case they were a bit bogus. Some, I know there are leeches out there that just try and take money off people, like whether it's an acting academy or whether it's a part that they say, oh, we need to invest in. You know, these silly things. It's a very scary time for you. It must be. Um, what kind of guidance are you seeking to make sure you don't make the bad decisions? I honestly, one of the greatest uh, one of the greatest things that I've gotten from 12 Mighty Orphans is uh, our, our mentors. I, I, I have um, been in contact, like I said, uh, with with several of the investors, with, se with several of the producers, and they have been guiding me a lot. I've learned I've learned more in the last year than I have in the last 20 in regards mm -hmm. to this industry, and as well as that. I have a wonderful acting coach who has who has was basically the inspiration for me to to continue this as a a career and not just a hobby, and uh, and I do have a fantastic agent who has who has my back. So I when it comes to making sure that I'm not in the wrong place at the wrong time or signing the wrong thing, I, I have full confidence 
and also also in my in myself i i, I certainly have confidence in myself to, to spot something um and my my dad who's who's also his life is contracts he's a businessman and entrepreneur and and so um i've just been kind of a sponge for information nice that. that's really good that's that's what you need though isn't it is that is that a bit of experience behind you because i know I, like andy knows me very well all right and i'm putting things together and i'm kind of like it's fine i know what i'm doing and then two weeks later down the line i'm like um <clears throat> you know the thing i said i was doing really well with well i kind of fucked up a little bit i'm really sorry um because i'm too headstrong i'm kind of like bam you sometimes you just need that kind of stern kind of no 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 no, no son you don't do that yeah, don't gonna, we're not going to speak to him, you know, because I think I know what I'm doing. You know, it's just a, it's a, it's a strange world we live in. You know, well, they said about my fire is also a, a beautiful teacher. I mean, ultimately, yeah. it's the fire in the end that gets you. Just make sure it's not something too too terrible that puts you in that situation. Mm-hmm. They say about some of the most successful people that the most successful people will make those snap decisions. They will make a decision one way or another instantly but they also surround themselves with people that are capable and willing of saying no that's not a good idea mm-hmm. yeah um what's the uh so like if obviously like when you when you ask a young actor what, what do you want from this they'll be like ah oh, i want to be tom cruise i want to be this i want to be that i want to be the other right but you got to be you, you got to look at things like on a level playing field right so what, what what would you like to do now now that you people know who you are you're the quarterback in this new movie like luke wilson's first movie for a while the big movie for a while um like if, if anything was offered to you now what would you like to do well from the um from the business side from the uh, from the side that's usually not seen by the public i you know i am in search of a manager that is my uh that's my number one goal at the moment um but from a personal standpoint, from what I want from from the industry as, as seen by the audience, uh, truthfully, is just to be a better actor, to understand more about filmmaking. And each each day is just another day for me to try and get a little bit better because, um, you know, I'm 21. I do have a lot of time. I'm, um, you know, if average age is 80. Still got another 60 going on. So <laughs> if I just get better every day, then eventually I'm going to be at a very satisfying spot. That's, that is my, that is my goal day to day. Well, well, um, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get you topping Anthony Hopkins and further. Um, <laughs> I, I, I could only hope and I am striving for that. Yes. <laughs> um, when it comes to the, the movie release um, with the lots of like, uh, did you have to sign a is it DNA? Uh, what's it called? Non disclosure. NDA. Non disclosure. Did you have to sign any of that sort of stuff? Did uh, Did they say to you like you can't go on podcasts and talk about this, 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 and this? And uh, if you say anything about the plot, we will shoot you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, was there anything that? Was there anything that? Uh, yeah, I, I had a, a. Yeah, there's definitely some things that I had to had to sign in regards to an NDA. I, um, uh, there, there, it, it was it was a bit more lenient because this is an independent film. They want the word out. I just I couldn't really tell them major plot, uh, tell anyone major plot points. You know, I mean, not that I would. Um, and and so it, it was a bit lax. And I, I 
I got a couple slaps on the wrist every now and then from posting a photo that mm. I, I shouldn't have or whatever. But uh, yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing that would bring me to a lawsuit. So, my <laughs> <laughs> God, my God! Uh, we, I mean, we lost, we lost Brandy, by the way. Uh, your publicist, she was in the background, uh, but she's welcome to jump, join back if she needs to. Uh, maybe, maybe she lost signal or something. <laughs> when you were on set with these absolutely monolithic out- actors, because you know Martin Sheen. He's my- you know, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Was there ever any sort of alone time, downtime where you could kind of ask him for a bit of advice, or did they kind of lean into you and go, "Watch this, kid," you know, that sort of thing? <laughs> no, there, it was no. There was never a, a situation of, "Oh, look at how good! I, look at look at my mastery!" No, I yeah, there was there was downtime for sure. Actually, the first day that I met Martin was, was really funny because I I didn't know that he was cast on the on the project until he was literally sitting right across from me at lunch uh, i mean i was sitting i was sitting amongst a couple other people and uh martin walks in the room and he sits down across from me and i just i i, I recognized him and i did know who he was but i couldn't quite grasp that he was actually sitting there so you know embarrassingly i did have to look him up just to make sure that my eyes were not deceiving me. And, you know, when I, when I finally uh, came, came to the realization that yes, this is in fact, Martin Sheen across from me, he introduces me to his son, Emilio. I'm like, Whoa, whoa what is today? What is, today? what is happening right now? <laughs> so, um, you got, you got introduced yeah, to Emilio Estevez. I did. Yeah. He's wow. a really nice guy. Yeah. Dude, that's so funny. I, I had a joke lined up where I was I was going to say, imagine walking up to Martin Sheen and saying, hello, Mr. Sheen, nice to meet you. And he's like, I'm Emilio Estevez. Can't <laughs> <laughs> make that mistake now. I remember uh, um, one, uh, I do another podcast called the Shoes with Biscuit podcast. Have you heard of it? I'm joking. You, I know you won't have. Um, <laughs> and one of the first big events that we did was a thing called Comics Salopia um, run by my friend Shane Chepsey. And um, it was uh, a comic book event, but it was purely comic books. You know, the artists, the draw, the, 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 the illustrators. And um, I remember I went to the opening party and uh, they were like, he was like, yeah, yeah, we've got Chip Kid coming. And I, with a, with a quick google you find out that chip kid is one of the most fantastic graphic designers on the planet he designed the jurassic park logo he's that big right he's huge and i'm stood in this room all these people drinking martinis and having beers all mingling and stuff i'm like which one is chip kid um <laughs> because it was so dull i was just stood in the corner oh my god i'm gonna get this so badly wrong you know we had some of the most amazing artists in the world in the same room as me and i'm just like an icicle i'm kind of like i don't want to move i don't want to say the wrong thing because it could be embarrassing like hell um what <laughs> this is leading to something i promise you when it comes to like <laughs> red carpets things like this um are you prepared for this sort of stuff because you know it's a lot of pressure there Yes, I, I do think I am. Uh, I mean, here's the thing, but you know, on a res uh, on a resume, there's you know your movies, your your TV shows, but at the very bottom is special talents. One of mine um, ought to be making it really awkward because I just <laughs> have I have an act for doing that, and I've accepted that. So at this point, if if I do kind of slip up in that regard, I'm. Uh, I'm going to do my best not to, of course, but it, it'll, it'll inevitably happen. 
I'm prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yes, I, I know, uh, I, I know I, I've been trying to learn names and faces <laughs> way better than I, than I used to know. More preparation than I had, that's for sure. <laughs> but this is more highbrow than, uh, than what I was doing, you know? Um, just a little yeah. bit. When you're working just on, like, a little the bit. Just, 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 just. Yeah, when you're I working mean, in the service industry, like I was telling you before the show, Alex, I worked for a high-performance auto parts uh, uh, outlet before I uh, moved on to other things in my career. But um, I never remembered people's names. I'd always just be like, oh, hey, yeah, it's red uh, 78 Camaro with the Ford 9-inch rear end. Like, I, I never could remember names. So if I ever had to do this, not that I ever would because I don't look like, well, Slade, but if I ever <laughs> had to do a red carpet thing or or remember the names of like cast and crew, I'd be sunk. It'd be all over, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's. It, I need to talk to you about that as well. Actually, I've got something I'm working on as far as restaurants and uh, yeah, yeah. We all have a bit of conversation there. Me and Andy haven't done this for a while. We haven't done this for a while, but uh, you know, we we go way back. We go way back. Uh, okay, so uh, we were do, doing research. Uh, obviously, you're you're a tech. You're from Texas. This is that's I where you hail from. Yeah, so moving to Orange County, um, away from your friends, family, I guess. Uh, what was that like for you? Uh, um, kind of a breath of fresh air. Uh, not, I mean, <laughs> not, in a, not in a not in a bad way. I don't mean that negatively towards my friends and family here in Texas. It's just um, uh, moving to California at the age of nineteen. It was. Um, I am just the adventurous kind, and so I I went to. To California with an open mind, and I really enjoyed my stay. Uh, I haven't been there very long. Um, originally, I went there for college, and I was there for four weeks, and then I got cast in the film, and so I, I dropped out of college to come back to Texas and shoot it. And then I went back, and I was there for five weeks, <laughs> and then you know, COVID happened, and, and oh, so shit, yeah. flew back to Texas again. And I was I was here until uh, that following August, and then I, I flew back out. I uh, moved in with some roommates of mine who I just loved to death, and uh, I've been uh, I was there until May, and then after, and then I think May twenty fifth is when I came back to visit my family for an elongated stay, and and do the premiere and do all the press here in Texas necessary. Yeah. Uh, it's it. COVID was, was a real son of a bitch, especially mm. with people that were like you, that was just starting up because again, we know people in the industry. We spoke to young people, older people, we producers, we've spoken to so many people and there were so many like opportunities squandered, you know, so many mm. things that were meant to happen that just stopped, you know, mm-hmm. and that's your opportunity gone. You got to go find something else. Um, uh obviously luckily enough you got this out the way before covid and then that happened afterwards um but yeah was that like what that must be painful as well though really steady stop yeah right i mean i didn't know yeah i mean just like all of us we didn't know what was going on and um and so i wasn't really too nervous about the movie in a way because we had done all the shooting they did say that they wanted to come back and shoot some other things um and those things did get replaced by voiceover in the film and so there there were there were plans to shoot several other sequences from uh uh, for like a, a flashback to the past for rusty russell which unfortunately never happened 
But during that time, it was, uh, it was actually kind of a good time for me to reel back a little bit and, and get my priorities straight. Um, yeah, at this time, you know, I was, I was, I was worried that this was going to give me a big head. And so I, uh, I think it was kind of a good, a good moment in time. I try to find the silver lining. It's a good moment in time simply because my job is something that I need to appreciate because it comes and goes and you never yeah. know when the next one is going to, going to happen. And so enjoy the moment and love it. And there is a, a purpose to it because I mean, how did we get through COVID? It was through entertainment. It was through, you know, watching movies, sitting down with the family and, and really, uh, and, 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 you know, finding new hobbies to get, to get forward. So Tiger King. <laughs> in, a way, in a way, in a way, it was a bit uh, blissful. That being said, I mean, it was a horrible, horrible time, and I'm not, I'm not negating the negative. I'm just emphasizing the good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've just watched uh, Bo Burnham's Inside on Netflix, which is a painful watch. It's brilliant. It's artsy, yeah. but it's painful to watch because I don't think I'm ready for it. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. It's been on, it's been on my list, but I don't think I'm ready for it. <laughs> it, it it's one of those. I mean, the, the the thing is, right? I saw it from a, a content creator. I'm never going to be on the scale of Bo Burnham. I mean, even before that, he was knocking it out of the park, even with the five year hiatus he had. You know, um, but like as someone who had like everything thrust upon them with the shoes biscuit <laughs> um you know we had got funding so we can go out to events the festivals and it stopped you know i was kind of like what what am i gonna do and we had to switch to zoom and skype and all this soft stuff we carried on going but it was such a struggle um whereas like bo burnham like and and for actors all around the world you know that this is their life this is their livelihoods you know and they just got taken away from him so you know bo had this idea to lock himself in a room and make content but when you start off with a clean slate with a you know a blank easel and you kind of just like right go that is probably one of the most difficult things to do in the world i mean when it comes to like character creation if someone said to you right now because like working with alexander westwood who i mentioned earlier um i've heard him say a few times i need direction I need direction. I can't just go, but here's a character. Can you do that? Can you just, can someone say, well, I, here's a guy from Chicago. He's a, he's, he's a, he's a loan out businessman and he needs to find some money. Go. Can you just come up with a character like that? Or do you need a bit of time? Yeah. I, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I can do things on the fly for sure. Uh, I'm of course, preparation is always going to be better. Um, and there are certainly characters that are better, that I can do better than, than others and uh, on the fly. But yeah, I, I actually have been working on improv uh, improvisational skills. Nice. Um, um, so just so that I can do that now, am yeah. I, am I great at it? Uh, that's, you know, that's <laughs> subjective. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm have sure you are project for you to cut your teeth on it's something that i've started working on recently uh-huh. so portland oregon is down to one full-time traffic officer and <laughs> i have started a screenplay and it's called the last traffic cop i think okay. he would be perfect for it can you write a motorcycle? man one whistle. Motorcycle? uh never have 
you can learn. Well, actually, yes, I can, in fact, ride a motorcycle. How well I can is up for question. <laughs> we'll we'll find someone to fill in for you. It's fine. I've, right. I've ridden a uh, motorcycle three times, and every single time I fell off. Um, so don't ask me, Andy. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. We have a bad relationship, me and those two wheels of theirs. Um, <laughs> I like this idea, though, the screenplay of the last traffic cop. I like that. Well, yeah, my plan, you know, is he's a renegade cop on the edge and he was frozen, uh, convicted of crimes he didn't commit. And when he's thawed, he awakes to find that Portland is still a post-apocalyptic wasteland. And now <laughs> he's the only traffic cop in the city. He is the last traffic cop. And I, I just think it would be great to go through, you know, just a typical scenario. It's a little Judge Dreddy little bit judge judy and we're gonna meet somewhere in the middle you know <laughs> i like that you know somebody beeps at him while well, you're getting roadworks lady you're going that way <laughs> you're gonna get the, tra the traffic lights um i was i was at um, a battle reenactment at the weekend i went to the battle of shrewsbury um mm. which is a very important battle it was um uh harry hotspur versus the king kind of he was like Fuck you! And the king was like, "I am the king. I'll have you know." And they had this big battle. Anyway, I was I was interviewing people all weekend, and I was kind of like, "Why have we never seen a zombie apocalypse in a medieval era? They're all rocking around in armor and swords and stuff. It would just be immense." Like Slade, we need to work on this, right? Mm -hmm. A medieval, <laughs> a medieval zombie apocalypse. Let's do it. Let's let's just well, uh, make this thing. I mean, that's that's basically Ash versus Evil Dead. Is that mm -hmm. right? I well, think that's yeah, Tom said yeah. that. He's like, "Oh, we've done that with Evil Dead, but that was Army of Darkness sort of stuff." That was kind of, I think, a genuine, like, to, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And look yeah. at every BBC, uh, like, peasant character in any of those period pieces. They already look like zombies. They're ugly, dirty. No, oh, we're being oppressed. We're being oppressed. I have to ask you this. Since you're in the industry now, uh, let's talk about your favorite movies and your favorite TV shows. I'm very curious. Oh yes, um, you know, I, I I have a very special place in my heart for the Lord of the Rings. I'm, mm. I am a huge fan of Peter, Peter Jackson. I love you, Slade. Experience. Uh, I, I feel like um, moments in time aren't bookmarked by my birthdays. They are bookmarked by by when I watch Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I did this three movies ago, three rewatches ago, four rewatches ago, you know? Um, yeah. I'm a huge fan of the practical effects and I do think it's one of the best cast films of, of all time. Um, yeah. uh, a fantastic ensemble cast. And then uh, my favorite coming of age story uh, that, that I got to give it to Jojo rabbit. Um, that's, that's the movie that, that, that signed Taika Waititi is one of my favorite directors. I love the hunt for the wilder people. I thought it was amazing. I love Jojo Rabbit too. I think it is his finest work. I gotta say, mm -hmm. but um, Take has been on my uh, on my radar for a very long time. I just love his. I love how we can get like like yo Sam Neil. Uh, you want to just be really silly for a whole like ninety minute movie? He's like, yeah, right then, mate. Let's do it. <laughs> That's not how he talks, <laughs> by the way. But you know, he can do anything. Take away TT. Um, so yeah. I feel you on that one. I, I love you, Slade. I think we're, we're definitely brethren right here. Like, uh, yes, I'm, I'm so glad we're on the same page there. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a director I would, I would love. Um, if you can, 
It's really hard to do this, and I think I'd struggle too. But uh, one character out of the Lord of the Rings that you absolutely adore out of them all, Samwise Gamgee. He's my favorite character of all time. <laughs> no, nice. you know, he's not. He's not the. Uh, he's not the main character. He's he's the main character's best friend. He's he's a guy who is ride or die. I mean, at the worst moment in uh, in their journey. He picks up his best friend and carries him to to the the objective when yeah. you know he fails. That scene when he finds the llama's bread down the stairs and he's like, <laughs> and he gets back up the stairs and he goes after him. Oh, I love that scene. Yeah, so much. get him, Rudy. Get him, <laughs> <laughs> Andy. What about you? And if you don't say Gimli, uh, you're fired. Um, but <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Not, it's not Gimli. I'm sorry. I actually do a spot on impression of the character that I most connect with. <laughs> I smell man flesh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And also, oh. that's the name of my first autobiography. <laughs> I like Aragorn. That suit, that scene where he's, he eats stew, and he's like... My least favorite scene, though, is the tomato scene. It's the one thing that... I oh, think that he pops out. Yeah, that probably hurt Dude. the baby tomato industry for a little while. For a couple quarters. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most amazing things I saw recently, and it was at, at a time when um, things are quite difficult for me, actually. There's lots, lots of pressure on me at the moment. I'm building this pod aid charity thing that I'll be doing. I'll, I'll tell you about that in a sec, Slade. Um, uh, and there was lots of pressure on me, and I was feeling really down and lonely and stuff. And I found Ted Lasso recently on mm-hmm. uh, on Apple TV, um, and it's got Jason Sudeikis in it. And it's about it's the perfect show for you, Suck. I'm trying to get Tom to watch it. Everybody go and watch it. It's fantastic. It's, about, it's an American coach who comes from uh, Kansas to the UK to uh, coach uh, a, a, U- a UK Premier League football team. He knows nothing about the sport, doesn't even know the rules, and he gets just thrust upon the world of the Premier League. And it's one of the most magical, most beautiful TV series I've ever watched my life it's amazing it's like this amazing scene where he goes to drink tea he's like no 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 never gonna happen it's garbage water terrible i was like whoa <laughs> it's fantastic i love it i love it um talk about your favorite movies mm-hmm. um obviously there's your favorite movies and there's the ones you go to for inspiration for work purposes who who do you sort of i want to say what's the correct word shadow who who's the who's the, the influences for you when it comes to movies? um yeah i i mean i I am a diehard fan of, of Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, in his practice. I, I think he is. Uh, I mean, I, do I really need to say more? <laughs> He's fantastic. Um, but when it when it comes to um, both on and off screen, my my number one in, influence is Tom Hanks. You know, he's considered the nicest guy in Hollywood, and uh, and I think that's someone who has such a presence on screen. And also such a presence off screen that he can do good in, in both regards. That's that's truly something that I admire, for sure. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about him off air, actually. Me and Andy before he came on, slave. We were like, we're talking about mm-hmm. actors. And I was talking about um, the pressure Luke must, must have been when Owen became famous. He's kind of, oh, my brother's famous. I guess I must do too. And then you brought up Tom Hanks' brother, Andy. And I was like, oh, yeah. Doesn't he like, do all the voices for Woody when like Tom's too busy and <laughs> stuff? And I was like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it must be at odds having a very famous relative. Um, and then there's that pressure behind you, um, like Casey Affleck. Uh, there's um, mm-hmm. also as well as... Um, What's his name? Macaulay Culkin's brother as well. 
you know mm -hmm. it's a weird scenario isn't it yeah you know of course i can't even i can't really um uh relate relate to that no, um, of course although i do i do believe comparisons the root of all evil I, you know yes. we're, we're all on our journeys and I, I don't think i don't think it's right to uh to to feel mm -hmm. any any mal malcontent towards somebody for their journey i mean you've got to do you haven't you you've got to do you yeah gotta do you you know and uh you know the what you got is family so that at the end of the day it's 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 your family that's that's sticks with you i'm a big family guy so nice uh, nice you're like the of this generation yeah Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> I've, seen, I've heard so many bad things about fast dying. I got. I tell you. Um, <laughs> I, I love that trend, though. The, oh, did you say family? <laughs> family. Family. I, I showed Timmy, my six-year-old, um, the Iron Giant yesterday for the first time, and it was actually one of the most magical family moments watching a movie. He was like stuck in. He was like, <gasps> he was like Superman, you know. Those family moments, those family movie moments are very, very special. Um, obviously, I've been doing my research on you today, Slade, and um, obviously, I, I've read about the Catherine Sullivan uh, School uh, yes. you went to uh, for many years, and then I looked at their Hall of Fame. We have Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato and Thomas Mann there. Um, uh, talk us through that. What's what was the school like that like uh, in retrospect for you as a young actor? I mean, I, I adore Kathy. She's wonderful. I just actually had a class with her today. Uh, I, I, I've been with her for the last week. And she's, I mean, first off, she's one of the strongest women I've ever met in my life. And so she has a process that works. And she, she knows how to get people to achieve their dreams. And it, it, is, it is truly wonderful from an actor's perspective to watch this happen. Because I, you know, I've grown up. Um, in her in her sphere and going to her every so often a few times a year and I get to watch her students achieve what they did what they desire and so I mean ultimately you know I'm not giving all of her the credit because of course those kids they worked for it uh, yeah. you know her actors they have to want to do it so that, that's a personal drive but uh, but she gives the tools, and that that's really fun to watch, because yeah. you, you, I know several people who have gone off and, and worked on a on their first set and come back and, and have told me about it. We have great conversations, and it's it's a bookmark uh, in their life. So it it's I mean, and it's hard though. It's hard. She she works you hard, and uh, but you you come out every day just a little bit better. Mm, nice. Uh, I spoke to um, an actor called Alan Rodriguez a few weeks a few weeks ago, and we were talking about like auditions and things like this. Um, and as a as a guy who's been in many TV shows, and uh, you know, he's been on um, Jessica Jones and um, lots of lots of stuff. Anyway, I was, I was saying to him about you know, the pain behind an audition. Like, you know, you go to three or five or six auditions, and you don't get the role for any of them things. It's incredible. Must be. I said to him, must be incredible incredibly you know sort of painful he's a roughly tufty new york guy. He's like no 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 it's gone once i get out of the room it's gone i don't know why i did it in a cockney accent but then you know uh, what is it like for you going to auditions as a young guy who's at the other side of the uh, spectrum there 
Yeah. 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 Um, I, I never despised them. I, I, I don't, I don't despise the process. I don't despise when I'm not picked. I, uh, truthfully, I, I walk in and I do what I have to do. And when they say no, it could be because of anything. It, it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be because of my, my skill or anything. It could have been that I'm too tall or maybe I'm too short or, or maybe they just envision this person might actually have better chemistry with the lead or, or look proper with the lead. And, um, and so I, yeah. And, and to keep me going, you know, I kind of, I got a little bit of, uh, of that actor's arrogance in a, in a sense to just say, oh, you know, their loss, right? Yeah. I, mean, nice. I don't actually think that, but it's 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 just a mentality to keep me going and and brush it off. So, um, the audition process, it's it's when I'm in person, it is actually something I genuinely enjoy. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and what's the uh, the, the pre audition routine for you? Say like the night before, you got a big audition coming the day before. Uh, what's the routine? Do you like? No alcohol, um, stay clean-headed, oh, yeah. early night, you know, or is it a case of, <laughs> I need to just blow off a bit of steam? What's that it's, like you? It is the thing I'm the most competitive about. I, I This is, uh, you know, this is my game seven. This is my, uh, um, this is my championship. Every, every single time I audition for something, it's, uh, it's time to hit the gym. It's time to you know, go over my lines until one, two AM. It's it's time to try and find that one minute thing that might separate me a little bit. Uh, my my routine is a bit neurotic, to be quite frank. Um, and uh, what it what is great? I don't need a whole lot of sleep to run, <laughs> so I, um, uh, I I might be in an insomniac. So my my uh, my night befores are usually just working until until I'm satisfied. And I, and I put, I put quotations cause I'm never satisfied. I, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I like that though. A perfectionist, you know, we've all got a, like with this thing that we've done with the podcasting thing, you know, it's kind of none of us become perfect immediately. There's gotta be a lot mm-hmm. of failure. There's gotta be a bit of success, you know, um, I've had lots of bits of success, you know, awards behind me right there that i've won you know nice things that have that have come from what we're doing there's the pod aid thing we're working on but i've had a lot of failure as well i've well, got to know what egg what's that i've got an award too what is it, it? says it says better luck next time you tried <laughs> I'll keep that right here right behind me so everybody can see it that's my that's my award right there well there's the there's the uh the film do you remember the film competition that i entered a while ago it was um mm-hmm. a 24 it was a was a tw- 24 hour film con uh, it was like a, a thing during covid all right so it was a 24 hour movie contest and there's people that make professional adverts people that are just novices people got great cameras and me with my phone and my imagination right and they were i've never done anything like this before and they were like we need you to make a movie in 24 hours and i was like okay and we had to wait on the 24 hour start line to get the plot to plan it, to write it, to film it, to edit it, to release it, and I, I I made this thing. It was quite ambitious because I was doing I was recording like Zoom calls with Tom in Vermont, 
blah 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 blah. I released this thing, and they actually the the the, the notes were the, the transitional periods between scenes were weren't very good. Uh, the plot was okay, and we didn't we did not find it enjoyable. And I was kind of like, thanks guys, never made anything like that again. So <laughs> you know, we got to learn from you. I have similar notes come back. Um, primarily, what they said was try getting a cell phone that doesn't have a cracked camera. <laughs> There's two Alexes right there. Um, what's next for you, Slade? Is there anything you're working on at the moment? Uh, what's next for me at the moment? Like I, I said earlier in the podcast, uh, uh, finding a manager. That's that is it. Manager, um, yeah. trying to uh, fill, uh, get my bases loaded, essentially. Um, yeah, and make sure opportunities coming along. But, is that uh, hard? It, to, is that hard to find a manager? I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to understand. Like like, can you just? Do you have to put like an ad out for an, a manager for Slade Monroe or do you need to go for an agency to find one? I got no idea to be completely honest with you. <laughs> um, I, I've got an agent and uh, I, I do have an agent and that, that I just did a performance in front of her and she called me on, uh, called me on the phone. We had a phone meeting and then I went to the agency and I'm represented uh, by Kim Dawson agency. My, my agent, her name's Deanne Vernon and I, uh, yeah, I had a sit down conversation with her for about 30, 45 minutes. And, uh, and then I signed the, the papers for her that she was going to represent me and, and we were going to be a team. And, uh, from then on, um, I've kind of just had her. And so I've been told so many different things about the whole manager sphere. I'm not going to act like I know anything about it because I'm learning, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm still an amateur in, in many yeah, ways, but. Um, uh, at the moment I actually, yeah, I did do another performance in front of a manager for, um, uh, at Catherine Sullivan's acting studio. So I'm hoping that can be fruitful. And, uh, in the meantime, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Watch it's, this space, watch this space. It must be so frustrating though, because as a guy at the moment, who's trying to build something in September, Okay, so Pod Aid is it? I'll show you the, the, the logo of this Pod Aid is this thing we're doing in September, a 24 hour long podcast, right? Because my skill, I don't know if Andy's the same, right? My skills come from when I'm sat in front of a microphone, right? Literally, these are literally all the notes I've written, right? Just a few lines. We just go. That's what we do. This is what I'm good at. I'm not good at like building events and getting sponsors in and and building the and the social media side. I'm I'm like I just want to go. You know, it's very hard to be able to like build this universe around me before I can go. It must be frustrating when you want to just you want to go there and do this thing, but you before you do that, you need a manager, and then you need this, and then you need that. You know, it must be really frustrating for a, a, a performer like you. No, I, I don't really think. I actually don't think it's frustrating. Um, because it's all just part of the steps in the process. You know, every, every other great actor has done the same thing I have. So, uh, I, I'd say I'm a pretty patient guy when it comes, nice. when it comes to these things. Um, but I've never had a sense of frustration in the route that I'm going. I just kind of have taken a step back and taken things as is um and, and just and just learn from the experiences so yeah yeah i mean do i want one absolutely do i want everything that <laughs> that you know a, a great actors 
go through Black on a daily yeah. basis? Absolutely, but I'm not there yet. And so you're not going to rush. I just got to work to get there. And yeah. that way, that's where it comes back to what we said earlier about not rushing into making silly mistakes. Yes, and that's that's what I wanted out of you. Fantastic, Andy. Mm-hmm. Have you got any more questions? So I know we're running short on time. I just think it's fantastic, um, Slade. I really look forward to seeing this movie, and I look forward to seeing everything that you're doing in the future. Don't forget to learn how to ride a motorcycle because you will be in my. <laughs> I'll soon be surfing on him, standing yeah. on two feet. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, right. So here are the pictures. So we twelve mighty orphans. I do. I, I mean, what, what what's the date for release in America? Um, Slade, have you got any dates with you? Uh, I'm sorry. What was the question? The date for release in in date America. Oh, in America, it's already out. It's uh, it it came out um, early or mid June. Yeah, I think okay. June uh, June twelfth it came out, and it's still in theaters across the nation. And um, it, it opened with, a, you can probably find it in just about any AMC or Cinemark. So, um, yeah. I mean, here in Texas, they're all over. Mm-hmm. And I, I know my friends in California have um, have gone and seen it in the LA and Orange County, Irvine area. Uh, I've had buddies in Florida that has gone and seen it, and and uh, a couple theaters have opened in New York. But it is it is across across the nation. Mm-hmm. Not in the UK though. America, come on, sort your lives out. I want to see this movie. I really do. I, we had to go and watch Space Jam Two yesterday because there wasn't much on at the movies. Uh, so yeah, send it, send it over away. I can't. I think it's the thirty first of August. It's released over here, so maybe we can wait a few more weeks. Uh, I do believe that's when it's digitally released on Amazon as well. I think that's when you can pre-order it now. I think. Uh, I can't wait to see this movie. And Slade, I'll drop you an email to say how much I loved it. Um, when I do, um, can you tell? our listeners uh, where they can find you if they want to get in touch with you or if you want a manager wants to help you out mm-hmm. yes um so my my main source of social media is instagram my uh, my username is at slade s-l-a-d-e underscore monroe m-o-n-r-o-e and you can find all uh all information regarding my agent on my imdb so just go on INDB, search up my name, and at the very bottom, you'll see a direct line to my agent, my agency, and a phone number. Well, Slade, you've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for coming on our show. I've learned really so much. It's, it really has. I love... <laughs> We love speaking to people that make movies with their hands in front of the camera, behind the camera, um, you know, and it's been an honor speaking to you. And I do wish you the best of luck with your career. And you, you know what? Maybe in, in 12 months, we can get you back on the show. We can find out what you've been up to. It'd be really nice to see. Um, you know, keep up, keep in touch with you. It'd be really nice. Of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know, 12, uh, 12 months from now, feel free to hit me up. I'd love to. It, it's a date, an absolute date. Um, Andy, any more comments before we let Slade go? Slade, you're the man. Uh, good luck to you. And uh, keep that passion in that perseverance, brother. Mm. You're going to go for it. Oh, this bonfire is burning hot. It's not going oh, nice. anytime soon. But thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. What we tend to do now is we let our guests go. We slip over to the later lounge where me and Andy are going to geek out. We haven't spoken to each other properly for a while. Um, so we're going to have a geek out. So, um, Thank you very much for joining us, Slade, and have a great day. Uh, You too. Y'all take care. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
I right at the end. That's when you got a little bit of Texas accent right at the end. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, yeah, all, I, I, I don't know what it is. It just it kind of flows in a little bit. <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, come on, man, drop me something. <laughs> right, next time I'll, I'll build it up for the rest of the podcast. How about yes. That? All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks, man. See you later. See you later now. Bye. Right, let's slip on over to the Letty Lounge. Let's do this. Three, two, one. Oh, wait, the music just cut off. Dang it. Oh, man, I want to see you grooving that thing. <laughs> oh, my God. What what, what a great guest. I mean, Slade Monroe just knocked that out of the park. I mean... When I, when I was that age, I was not that level-headed and not that sensible about things and knew what I wanted and had that. You could see it in him. that He had he had this dream, this goal, this 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 thing that he was doing, and he was going there. If, I wish I had that direction when I was his age. I really do. So, People uh, like Flade are very, very, they're at the same time amazing people and also kind of scary to me because when you see a person where they have a goal and they're going to achieve that goal no matter what, Hmm. they can take that energy in a lot of different directions. Man, obviously he's going towards the light, but he's one of those people where I can just tell he's going to make it and he's not slowing down. No, he's got that momentum. And I do mm-hmm. wish him the best, genuinely wish him the best. And we have, but you know, I've got, I've got friends either side, the people that have been in the, in the industry for a while, people that are just starting out, people that have had a bit of success and step back a bit, you know, there's, there are so many different people, but mm-hmm. like, when it comes to actors and, and people we've spoken to, I don't think I've seen anybody with that much drive. Like the way he composed himself for that whole interview, I'm very, very impressed. He's got a very promising um, career and he's just mm-hmm. a, such a level-headed young man, honestly. Seriously. Well done, Slade. Thanks for joining mm-hmm. us. Um, Andy, my man. Andy, my friend Andy. Man. He, man. You know what? He might actually need to take some lessons from me, you know, because I really have that grizzled run down uh nowhere to go and nothing to lose look so you know if he, <laughs> if he could use me as an example for his character in the last traffic cop i think he'd really be onto something i i think you i think you're onto something with this last traffic cop thing i feel like this is your this is your neck of the woods man you should definitely be like we need to do this now we need to do this now while this is happening do this please we'll get denzel to, we'll get denzel on board i'm trying to get that cop on and I'm trying to convince him that selling his rights to the story is going to make him way more <laughs> money than being a top lover. Netflix is just turning churning out any old kind of shit these days, mate. You might as well make a few bucks, like you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and it doesn't have to have a big budget. You know, listen, I've got some old cars that we can blow up. I'm sure we can wrestle up some crackheads and tell them, hey, we're going to give you a loaf of bread and five dollar bill, and uh, this dude's going to kick you in the chest. Done and done. Fuck it. Let's do it. I mean, you can have me. Uh, can I do some voiceover? I can I can do like radio work, you know? I've got the. Uh, where there? Where there? Wait there? Wait there? Wait there? Wait there? Wait there? I've got shit here that I can I can do. Wait there. Um, you, so we want a cop. Cop radio. Get out, get out. We have an incident on the, on the corner of Churchill and Fourth. Um, we need a cop immediately. And then, and then we can have we can have like, uh, what is it? <laughs> Fucking about here.
There's one man. <laughs> one roll. One whistle. <laughs> Welcome to the last traffic cop. That's I'm sorry. Perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> what I need you to do, though, is instead of doing the like uh, Boston accent when you're doing the police radio, you need to do just the most backwoods Cockney, like Cockney. or whatever, whatever it's called that super thick accent that rural British people have where you just can't understand what they're saying at all. So you, you want like, like Sean Bean, don't you? Oh, fucking hell, man. All of the traffic's piling up. There's nobody sorting it out there. We need help. We need backup. That's amazing, yes. And in the meantime, the, the, the mayor's kind of like, I'm sorry, man, we got no backup. He's like, sure, what do you mean there's no backup? I'm here on myself. I've got a wall of eyes, a whistle. And I don't even have a fucking radio. I don't even know why I sound like this right now. <laughs> the problem is, I was, I was watching uh, Clarkson's Farm. Uh, I don't know if you're a Jeremy Clarkson fan, but have you have you watched Clarkson's Farm yet? People are going on about it, and that, that it's it's becoming a bit of a craze. I, I've seen people that have actually been to the farm; you could actually go there. Um, but like since the whole no, so when they left left top, left top Gear, they made that other show on Amazon, right? Right. And it was dog awful. It was just terrible. I couldn't I couldn't watch it. Um, you didn't like the Grand Tour. No, because it was too fake. Like there was, a, there was a, like so. Top Gear was like there was a moment when I absolutely adore Top Gear. We would never miss it. And I'm, I'm at that stage now with uh, with um, Alec McGuinness, uh, Paddy McGuinness. Uh, you know, with the, the new the new crew. I think they're fantastic. They're, they're great at doing what they do. Um, but like with with um, with Jeremy Clarkson, uh, Richard Hammond, and fucking James May. There was that time when they were brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And then it kind of got a bit fake, bit fake, bit fake, and very samey. Kind of like, and I, I'm, I'm a bit put off by Jeremy Cox now because of that. Do I mean? So, sure. what's your spin on it then? Do you enjoy it? I, I enjoyed it. I did. I, I mean, there's certain things where you're looking at it and you're thinking, yeah, that's a, that's a fake setup thing, whatever. But then there's a lot of stuff that you can't, you can't fake. I, I mean, the birthing of the lambs. Um, on his farm and the fields drying up and how much yield they get out of the fields and all that. Like you can't really fake any of that stuff. And so I do think he puts himself in situations where it's, it's obvious that it's like a, a play. It's a bit, you know, but then the ramifications of that bit are very real and they leave those in. And I, I do find that fascinating, but probably my favorite character in the whole show is this fellow named Gerald. You cannot understand what Gerald's saying. I mean, maybe you could, but me and Jeremy Clarkson, there's no, like the camera comes on to him and he's like, hello, Gerald, how are you? And Gerald turns around and he's like, well, I told you what didn't work out. Came around a band and then that burden in your car, you know what I mean? And Jeremy Clarkson's just standing there like, uh, yep. <laughs> that's um <laughs> that reminds me of when i first started going to ireland my dad lives in ireland like right down south ireland and um <laughs> yeah it's really funny when he first moved over there he lived in this uh farmhouse in in dingle bay it's near trelly it's on the mm -hmm. south west corner of ireland and um <laughs> he lived on this farm 
and there's the farm obviously and we just well i was there for like two weeks and we didn't have much to do so i'd stand on the fence and watch him do the sheep and he's like you you ah, you want to come have, come have me now okay okay grab the sheep i have and i'd be like okay <laughs> but the thing is, right? I started talking to this geezer, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm from, I'm, I'm living here. I'm there. I'm coming to see my dad. And he's like, slow down, man, when you're talking to me. And I'm like, what? Is I like, slow down when you're talking to me? You're talking too quick. I was like, I'm talking too quick. Are you fucking serious? Uh, and now he lives in in Banshee Bay, where they're a bit more soft spoken now. When they're talking, they're a little bit. It's very nice, very soft. Right. Um, uh, but like, yeah. It's, 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 have you ever had the situation, by the way, where someone said to you something and you've gone, sorry, excuse me, and they've said it again, and then you've, you're too proud or you don't want to get embarrassed by saying, say that one more time for me. Like, it's, you just have to take it. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. It's the worst. Yeah, right? I've done that many times, many times. That's why I keep mm. a spare pair of earplugs on me. Uh, I try to keep them in my pocket, and then I'll try to fake them out. You know, like if I just can't understand what they're saying, I'll pretend to pull them out of my ears and be like, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No, but I remember my wife does this to me constantly. I'll be in I'll be in the kitchen. Right. And she'll be like, hey, hon. And I'll be running the uh, mixer or something. And then she'll come out. And she'll be like, why didn't you do the thing I was talking about? And I'm like, I, I yelled back at you. Wait until I'm done. I can't hear you. It's just it's a it's like a part of life. And the older you get, the more it seems to happen where I just stand there and I go, huh? What are you saying? Or here's my favorite, Alex. I know you've done this before. Somebody says something you're not getting and you go, huh? And then right as they're starting to repeat themselves, they don't even have a chance to repeat themselves. And all of a sudden it clicks. It's like it took your brain a second to catch up to what they were saying. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I, I get what you're saying. Is this kind of fucking stoner? What is his problem? <laughs> it took it takes five a second to, to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it happened. Something similar happened today. Um, I was. I'm. I've had two days away from doing stuff because I had a very intense weekend. Two two festivals, lots of editing, lots of like trying to find trying to find sponsors for Pod Aid and stuff. You know, it's been very hard going. I've had my two kids one at a time as well, so I wanted two days just to do fuck all. Right, fuck mm-hmm. all. I mean, apart from the fact I turned up at the prison today expecting there to be prison break and there was none. I got the wrong date, which is my fault. Um, anyway, so I'm playing on Horizon Zero Dawn on the PlayStation. I don't get much time for the, the console stuff. I don't do much gaming, but I'm like, no, I've only got this game till September and then they take it off again. I'm going to sit and play it. And she's going, hey, uh, do you want the, the, the chicken with the with salad or do you want um, some stuffed peppers and some coleslaw? And I went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she went, what? <laughs> I was like, I, I, I mean, yeah, why don't we do both? A little bit of both. And she's like, oh, okay, a quick save there, you know. Um, yeah. Um, have you ever worked in retail? Yes. All right. So when I worked in retail, um, I don't even know exactly. This is going to age me a bit. So I'm 38 years old. And, and as nuts as this is going to sound, I was working in retail. I was actually working at a Home Depot when uh, debit cards first became popular, if that makes any sense to you. Like, obviously, they were popular and they were used and they've been used for a long time. But we were still in that that area where old people couldn't figure out the how to use Swipe and sign thing. Yes, exactly. Or yeah. swipe and pin number. And uh, yeah. I remember they would harangue us every single day about... 
uh, getting more customers through. You got to be faster. You got to be quicker. And there was something about my face that I feel like attracted the elderly people. And so we'd walk up <laughs> and go, here's my card. And they'd hand it to me. And I'd say, oh, you know what? We got a, a card reader right here. You just slide it here. What? Here, you just, you take your card and you just, you swipe it through right here. What? Then they'd take it <laughs> and the numbers would be on the outside and they'd, they'd swipe it. And I'd go, no, sorry, it's got to be turned around. What? <laughs> they'd, they'd turn it around. They'd run it. And then it would ask them for their pin number. And then they'd grab a pen to write on the pad. And I'm like, no, no, it's asking you for your pin number. Well, I don't know my pin number. But it was just, it was that over and over and over that losing that job was the best thing that ever could happen to me. Because I was <laughs> humanity so fucking quick. You don't even understand, but it, it was seriously three times a day. Swipe when the card. What happens? What? When I was- <laughs> When I was eighteen, I remember I, I I got a job at KFC. Well, I was, I was eighteen. Fuck it. I mean, who doesn't do jobs like that? And um, I lasted three months. I, sl- I lasted three months. Um, and Saturday nights were always the 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 heaving of all nights. It was like the fucking bat. If you got a Saturday night shift, you like fuck. How have I landed this? I'll pull the short straw. Um, and the queue would always be around the restaurant, right? And it'd be like mayhem. And I was like. I was at the front, um, and I was doing the till. So I would select what people want, get them the tray, and as it would come, I'd put it on the tray, give it to them, right? So, and there'd always be like every like every like third customer, like they've forgotten this and they've forgotten that, and they haven't got this. And then every week there was this one woman, and she was like the first ever Karen I dealt with, right? Super Karen, and she would find the most minute like. There was a family of five of us, and you gave us four sachets of salt. How the fuck dare you? Like, she could kick off, you know, every single time. And I remember it was, I think it was like 12 weeks in, and she came up to me and she was like, hey, and I was like, no, slam my hat down. I was like, fuck you. I'm got literally, I went, fuck you. I quit. And I walked straight out. I was like, I'm not having it. I'm sorry. I can't take that shit. So then I went and did, uh, I went and I got a job on security uh, and I did security and door work for like 10 years after that, where I was on the other side where I could tell customers, fuck you to their face. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Fuck out yeah. of here. Yeah, I had my hat throw down moment when I was working for an undisclosed auto parts store. And there was this junkie that had walked in and this is in Portland. And this is, I mean, we're talking, this is uh, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. So it was bad in Portland, even back then. And uh, this junkie walks in, he's got a paper bag and he's like, Oh bro, I gotta, I gotta fucking use your bathroom, please. And I'm like, no man, there's no bathrooms in here. Sorry. And then I turned around to do something, hoping that he would just walk away. One of the, the other dumbasses that they hired, Dude walks over and he's like, oh, please, bro, I, I got to use your bathroom. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, no problem. It's right back here. Oh, of course, no. I was trying to grab him before he went in the bathroom. And I was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Well, he just said he had to use the bathroom. I'm like, he's going to go fucking shoot up in there, man. What are you doing? The heroin pa- pandemic was or epidemic was really starting yeah, yeah. to hit around that time. And um, I mean, the dude was in there forever. And finally, we're pounding on the door and, you know, screaming. All right, the cops are on the way. You got to get out of there right now. And he comes running out uh, naked from the waist down with his oh. with his pants in his hand and runs out. There's the spoon and the lighter and the needle in the bathroom. There's also blood and feces 
all over the bathroom. I mean, all over the bathroom. Like it looked like he was just taking handfuls and slapping it against the walls <laughs> and smearing it onto everything. Oh my God. And the plumbing had been completely taken apart underneath the sink. And I'm just like, dude, okay, now you get to clean this up. Congratulations. And um, I had been having a little bit of a thing with the manager there. I wasn't really getting along with them. And, uh, and this other person went and complained about me yelling at them, telling them you're a dumbass for letting this drug dealer or drug drug addict in here. So the manager walks over and they're like, yeah, he's about to go on his lunch. So you're going to have to uh, take care of this. And I said, there's absolutely no way. There's absolutely no way I'm, I'm doing that. And she said, well, if you don't do it, you're fired. And I said, too late, bitch. I'm out. <laughs> it feels good, though, doesn't it? It does feel good. It does. Well, I was married, and so it probably wasn't the best feeling for my wife. But <laughs> also, we were getting ready. I was getting ready to go back to college, um, start working on that engineering degree that's really paid off for me ever since I got hit by a drunk driver. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it, I was coming down to the end of when I was going to be employed there anyways. And so I just cut out a little bit early and, uh, and actually my wife is standing right here, honey, that druggie that broke into the bathroom at, at um, I, I can't say the auto parts store, but the auto parts store. And they told me that I had to clean it up. And I said, Nope. And I walked out. You remember that? Yeah. That was a fun day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Babe. Yeah. Um, you, you never guess what happened today in work. What happened in work? <laughs> a drug addict smeared blood and shit all over the bathroom and I quit. Uh, I almost have a better story. Do you remember when they broke up that uh, drug house about two miles down the road from where from my clinic? And the guy evaded the police and got out the back door, mm-hmm. came into our clinic, went into the basement, into the mm-hmm. bathroom, locked himself in there. And proceeded to try and remove the paraphernalia stored inside his body. Yes. And there was various fluids, some foamy, some bloody, some whatever. Uh, and it was there was fluids around everywhere. Again. And I'm not done with my story. And then <laughs> uh, so the massage therapist would keep uh, his razor there. So he'd get up, he'd get early and shave. So the druggie used his razor to shave his head and other parts and um, yeah, various other things. So we had to have hazmat come in and clean the bathroom up. Um, The computer repair guy was there. We couldn't get him out of the bathroom. It's just two female massage therapists, myself and a female receptionist. So the computer repair guy was a retired Navy SEAL that had just gotten back from Afghanistan and finished his tour. And it was like, I'm done. I'm going to just, you know, return to civilian life. So he broke the door down, grabbed the guy by the neck and threw him out in the street. Big old black Navy SEAL pissed off. Yeah, it was insane. And then the cops show up later, fit the description of a perp that had evaded them during the when they broke up the meth house it was insane and i was like this is why i have guns at work and in my purse like because people suck well thank you hun for that insight um alex thanks hun letting your listeners know that um everything i say bad about portland is true and it's it's been happening for a long time thanks wow i remember (laughs) while we're on the subject of uh interesting uh stories and work um there was um 
This one, so I used to catch shoplifters. That was my job, right? We'd have to watch on the cameras for things going in bags, and we'd have to be like, excuse me, sorry, I have to take you back into the store. And um, I remember I watched this this uh, this mother and son carry this one thing, not put it for the checkout, and it was on their persons still, right? So I didn't see them drop it. Uh, and so we stopped them. We pulled them back in, and this woman went, fucking nuts she was like where is it where's the fucking thing you check my bags it's not my bags she started getting naked she was like check my bra she took a bra off and i was like she, she was going absolutely fucking skits my wife will attest to this i was white as a ghost i was like, oh my god i can't believe i fucking believe i caused all this shit we had to let her go because she was going absolutely nuts we couldn't find it on her i went back and looked at the footage and she literally dropped it behind her back into her son's bag like it was that quick bam and he had a bag open behind her and we we got it we got the concealment afterwards but she was like fucking taking her clothes off that's fucked me over for months afterwards i lost all confidence in my job and everything but um yeah that was just a, a <laughs> one of those like i don't want to do this anymore like kind of situations um but like, i'm happy she's i mean she's going ballistic because that's what works that's the hard part is knowing mm, yeah Oh, this is a tactic. And now I know that people are going to use this tactic because it works. It worked on you, right? Oh, yeah, of course it does. She literally ripped her tits out in front of me. I was like, fuck. Okay. Like, you know, um, and this is where I'm I'm happy. There's not enough dignity left in a person like that to to think, no, I'm not going to yank my clothes off. You know, like imagine you were in a store and you just stolen something. And you were so desperate to get away with your stolen item. You were like, what? You want to check under my sack and just yanked your pants down and like, you know, spread eagle and showed him your chode. And you're like, go ahead and search me, bitch. Yeah. Imagine yeah. having that little Shock thing. and awe. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, right, to get me as a person, I'm Samuel L. Jackson in 187. The girl gets naked. I put a blanket on top of her. I'm not one who's like, ooh, boobies. I'm kind of like, oh, my God, seriously, please just don't do that. Like, I'm genuinely like that. Like, uh, I used to get ripped all the time by my mates all like, fucking, because like, they'd be like, hey, look at the ass on that. And I'd be like, oh, come on, guys. Like, and they'd be like, bitch. And I'd be like, what? Like, I'm not that kind of guy. I don't know if you get that, that fucking... Uh, vibe off me listeners but uh, <laughs> i'm really not that kind of guy um but yeah i'm, I'm very happy to, to be to be doing doing what i'm doing now you know um andy how many cars do you own you said you got loads of cars to blow up how many cars do you actually own oh it's not about how many cars i own it's about how many friends i have and people i know that just have cars like rotting away their project cars will never get worked on or they have neighbors that are hoarders and uh, the neighbor dies and the family's like what are we gonna do with all these cars none of them run you know, that's that's where if you ever watched like monster trucks or, um, you know, motorcycle trials where they have old cars that they put up. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Use them as obstacles. That's that's basically and especially since I live in a small town, there's just there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people, believe it or not, this is going to sound nuts, but well, maybe not nuts to you. I, I even have some close friends that do this. They won't go out and buy a ten or fifteen thousand dollar car. They will buy a $1,000 car and they'll drive it until it breaks, which is typically three to six months. And then they'll go out and buy another $1,000 car. And it's and just this, the one on the lawn. Yes. And it's just over and over and over. And according to them, they can't afford to get a new car. But then when you sit back and you add it up and, and like, I have a close friend where I sat him down and talked to him here a while back. I was like, man, in the last three years, I think you've had seven rigs. 
and you know, let's pretend you spent seven thousand dollars on all of those rigs because they were a thousand dollars piece over three years. That's a car payment. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I've had the same car for every four years when the when the payments are, are up. But it's my second. That was my second car. I started driving when I was thirty years old, guys. I, I was I was a late one, and I I learned an automatic because I was moving to Shrewsbury. My job is in Telford, which is twenty miles. I needed to fucking drive. I'm not getting the bus to work for twenty miles. Fuck off, like. So I had to pass within ten months, which is um, quick. Mm-hmm. over here i do regret it now because i can't just buy any car it's got to be an automatic which in the uk um is the is is the majority of cars are, 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 are stick over here you know yeah. uh, manual um so i do feel bad for that but at the same time i can't wait for my third car and it to be something nice because i got this <laughs> c3 grand picasso which is it's a slug spaceship. Like, that's what I call it. It's my slug spaceship. It like, it's like, and it's like massive thing that I'm driving around in. It's nice. It's got the cruise control. It's got the air car. It's got a fridge. There's a fridge in my car, you know? Mm-hmm. But it I want some. RV. Yeah, yeah. It's quite cool, man. I've just, uh, I've just mm-hmm. sold an old tent that I had in there. Big fucking six people tent. Uh, uh, like, literally at the weekend, I had that tent, uh, two tables, four chairs, uh, a marquee, uh, water butts in the back of my, behind my seats for the, uh, the marquee to weigh it down. I had my banners, everything, every single thing, my microphones, my every single thing that I needed to go and do events, plus a tent if I needed it, you know. Uh, whereas if I had a Mini Cooper or something like that, or, you know, some shitty Beamer with a fucking hatchback, I couldn't really... I can't really do that. Do you know what I mean? So um, I kind of like it, like in that regards. But I want something like where people are like, oh yeah, look at what Whiteley's got. You know, I don't yeah. necessarily want a Beamer or an Audi or anything like that, but just something nice. I'm quite sensible when it, when it comes to cars. I'm like, I like a, a Volvo V70. You know, something <laughs> something that's like nice and decent um, and will will get me A to B nicely. Do you know what I mean? Whereas mm-hmm. you're kind of more like, right? There is that, but it's a little bit of a combination. I mean, like the V70, I love a good estate wagon. I think the V70R is a very underrated performance vehicle, and it's it's a fucking wagon. It's a it's an estate, so you can pack it full of all your gear. You can throw the kids and your wife in there. You guys can be comfortable cruising <laughs> down the road. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. By the way, I, w- I would like the modern equivalent of a V70. I wouldn't like the fucking 1990s fucking larder looking like a fucking thing. But um. <laughs> how dare you, sir? How dare you disparage the turbo bricks? <laughs> <laughs> turbo bricks. That thing was a beast. Though. The, the, the Volvo S40, do you remember? That was a fucking touring car. That was like one of the beasts that they would take around the fucking uh, British motorsport racing and stuff. That was yeah. a beast. Um yeah, so that's uh, that, that's about as much as I can. This is this is the thing, right? Because you got the horsepower hour. This amazing show that you got where you do talk about cars. Um, it's like your your own little version of Top Gear, I imagine. Uh, and like I've I've sat and I've watched and I just zone out because I can't. I, I'm not a very carsy person. So if I ever came on your show, I'd be like, yeah, I've got an automatic Citroen. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. piece of shit. Oh, when and you come on it. the show. It's not going to be the regular horsepower hour. It's going to be the horsepower hour. And then I'm going to have a sexy woman voice after hours. And then we'll just kind of do our thing where you drink and Tom gets stoned and, uh, you know, we just talk. It'll be something like that. The car scene, 
you gotta you gotta really know i mean i hate to say this and, and i'm trying to get better about it i i try to include enough <laughs> stuff in the horsepower hour where people if you don't know that much about cars you can still kind of follow along um if you don't know anything about cars I admit you are going to have a hard time. I will admit that, <laughs> but you know, we try to, we try to include enough stuff where you can have fun with it and kind of look and cause here's the thing about car guys, Alex, we will sit for hours on Facebook marketplace or Craigslist or whatever your equivalent of uh, Craigslist is over in uh, Shrewsbury, Harpford. Uh, we Shamir, have Spock. 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 So oh, Facebook, what, Facebook. Sure. Facebook marketplace. We will just sit and we will just scroll looking at cars that we can't afford and, or we would never buy and, and just hours. And I don't know why, but it's a thing that all car guys do. Do you ever do that? Like, do you ever just type in microphone and then just go down a rabbit hole of what's available? Yeah. All the time. I did it earlier. I was looking, I'm looking for a nice, sexy chair. Cause this mm -hmm. one is not, this is this really hard plastic chair. I'd like a nice, like, proper... I was looking at gaming chairs because I thought they'd be quite nice. Just to be, like, upright and be like, yeah, welcome mm -hmm. to the to Yusuk or the Shrewsbury Biscuit. And I'm just like, so I, I like um, a chair like Jean-Luc Picard and <laughs> Next Generation, just kind of just slouching a little bit. Like, you know, this, this chair is not great for my ass with these very heavy set beige shorts mm -hmm. during the hot summer months you know what i mean um but yeah here's, here's the the horsepower hour guys if you're not acquainted to to to, to andy's show it's here horsepower the horsepower hour is your one-stop shop for all things automotive every tuesday at 3 p.m pst thph the horsepower hour has got the style to keep you coming back for more and the power to put you on the edge of your seat that's what i'm Hello. talking about baby all about those reps baby but to be fair um like regardless of of whether i drive an automatic or not i went from a peugeot 206 sports edition um to a, a very big wobbly fucking people carrier and i don't half miss my pug i love that car so much it's stuck to the road i could come scream around corners be any fucker at the lights you try there's this sports uh, button i'd press it and the you know the lights in the interior would go darker red is <laughs> it to say you're fucking it was amazing i missed it so much but the uh the cam belt was about to go and stuff so it was getting old and i'm kind of like i can't afford a cam belt let's get a car in finance so that's what i did well, yeah yeah, yeah. you got to do that you got to sell it while you can and i never encourage people to you know sell something that's broken as being not broken but Boy, it is important. You're proving it right now, Alex. It is important for you to have some car knowledge and look the car over when you're trying to buy a brand new vehicle. Or, yeah. or not a new vehicle, but something new to you, you know. One time uh, I was it's going to last you four or five years mm -hmm. on finance or something. You've got to know what ticks. And that's why I'm looking with Shane uh, on the show over at the Shrewsbury Biscuit. And you guys are used to call no Shane Hinton. Uh, he's a he's a qualified mechanic. So I'll take him and he'll be like, oh, no, there's an octopus in this engine. Don't buy it. You know, so <laughs> he very much helped me. Uh, and in fact, he won't touch my... What's well, you way? said there's an octopus in the engine. And I know why you're saying that. It's because when he looks at you and he goes, hey, man, the coolant is clear and it shouldn't be. So they clearly have just put water in it. Also, it's overfilled. So clearly they have had to top it off because this thing loses coolant. All you heard is there's a squid in my block. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, uh, there was a problem in my car. My car, like Citroens, if you know your cars, Andy, which you do, 
Citroens are the most overcomplicated cars in the history of cars, right? Like literally to change a wing mirror, he had to take the whole door panel off. Um, and literally like the wires had to go for holes that was so small. He had to try and feed it through and then catch it and pull it through. It was ridiculous. And then, um, there was another issue with my car. It was, um, there's this like kidney thing underneath my car with some injection juice shit that goes in from my car. I thought it was that. So we had to go and buy that for like 75 quid. Uh, we replaced that. It still wouldn't work. And he was like, all right, let's have a look at the battery. It opened up my bonnet and on top of my battery is all these electronics. Usually the batteries are the first thing you see when you open up a car, but it's literally, it looks like a fucking Borg ship out of Star Trek. You get to take all this shit off to get to the batteries. I am never touching your car again. So if my car breaks down, I'm fucked. Like I'm literally <laughs> having to pay Citroen to take my car apart. So the sooner I can get rid of it, the better. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness, that's scary, bro. <laughs> it's honestly, it's, it's uh, to change my battery, I would actually go have to go to a qualified mechanic to take shit apart to get to it. It's insane. I've changed the battery before. My Pug was sat for a while. No, it was the Clio. I had a, uh, to learn to drive out of Renault Clio, and uh, I had to change the battery. And, that. and uh, my, my uh, he's passed away now. My my stepfather-in-law showed me, and he's like, "This is how you do it." And I was like, "Oh." great not with us not the not with the citroen <laughs> Fucking yeah man. yeah all that stuff that goes over the engines now that's just a big do not touch sign from the manufacturers yeah they don't want to do anything with it never buying a french car again i mean the per- the pug was great but at the same time you could fix that thing with fucking masking tape <laughs> oh, no. there you go off you go um well, so yeah you never know when your citroen's going to be on the freeway and then go we surrender Stop. Yeah. More wine. No, 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 no. We can't do that. It's illegal. More wine. No, 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 no. Back on the road. <laughs> Andy, tell people why they should listen to your show and what else you got coming up. Well, man, we just have a really good time over on the Horsepower Hour. If any of your listeners are even remotely interested in cars, we do a good mix of comedy, good mix of information, and a good mix of just learning and growing together. You know, we really encourage people to reach out to us and interact with us. I personally have helped a couple of our listeners diagnose their vehicles through sound clips they sent me and just, you know, basic series of questions. I, I was a certified mechanic. Um, my my co-host, Coy, he has been a longtime grassroots racer. And so we really meld well. We gel well. We have a lot of information, a lot of knowledge rolling around in these wet noodles of ours. So uh, I encourage anyone who has a an interest or a passion for anything automotive to come and check it out. It's the Horsepower Hour at the Horsepower Hour on all social media, so Facebook, Instagram, that sort of thing. We have a Horsepower Hour group, and if people want to come and check out some uh, really funny car memes and some great memes that Alex posts over there, by the way, which we appreciate. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I know, I know, a good more. meme from a bad meme. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's just groups <laughs> slash the Horsepower Hour. So uh, come and check that out. And Alex, I love you, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been amazing. Um, you Honestly, thank you. I, I messaged you today and you're like, yeah, cool. I'm free. Uh, let's do this. And Slade was, of course, an amazing guest. Um, I, what I need to do is tell you guys about stuff that's going on in the You Suck universe. Of course, we have this show, which is What's the Difference podcast with me and usually Tom Bruno. And we speak about the, the subtle differences between US and UK culture. It was very nice today to speak to Slade about about how a young actor in America is going about his trade. Uh, so that was very nice today. And that's the kind of things we like to talk about uh, very, uh, next week. <laughs> uh, 
you may uh, see our um, interview with the with Carol Baskin, which was a very um, it was it was a nice interview actually because Carol Baskin, of course, is one of the most controversial ladies in in America with from one of the most controversial documentaries of all time. Uh, but we talked a lot about conservation and and zoos and and you know it was actually quite good we we challenged ourselves to talk about the documentary as little as possible uh, and talk about carol's work and what they do uh, and you know because i feel like some people question me as whether, whether we should have done this interview or not and you know those 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 huge repercussions because of it and i was thinking if you could speak to anybody like Carol Baskin in the world as a podcaster, as an interviewer, as somebody who has become an, a professional in what we do, you would take it. And then what you would do is you would show the world that you are good at what you do. And that's what we did. So uh, please listen to that episode if you haven't already. Um, so that, that's that interview with Carol Baskin. We also have Yelling at Clouds, which is an amazing podcast brought to you uh, from the world of Eric Fluger, he is an amazing artist, amazing friend of the show, and he is here to drop some arts facts on you guys. Um, and this is what it is. Every episode is like a, I'll say like a lecture. I don't like that. It's it's a lesson for you guys. This one's called Jumping for Joyce, and it's about the, the author James Joyce, who basically, um, he defined um, the, the words for art, the different types of art, uh, and what art does to you and the words for it eric is better explaining this shit for me it's amazing I it's actually, a different... i had to well, i had to listen to that episode because i thought he was actually the father of differentiating farts and so imagine how red in the face i was when i listened to the podcast i was glad that i you know found out it was good it was very educational um <laughs> even even if you're not british even if you're american it, there's stuff in there that you can learn he, honestly, he's fantastic. He's um, he is the smartest guy I know. And if you know Eric Fluger, well, if you know Hollywood Babylon, and you know Kevin Smith's work and stuff, you'll know who Eric Fluger is because he makes the amazing artwork. He drew that picture himself. Um, and of course, we are looking for new podcasters to join us on our network. We want someone to. If you want to start up a new, a new podcast and you want to join us as the network, uh, part of the network, please get in touch because we want to hear from you. We want new, we want two new podcasters. We'd like a British podcast. We'd like an American podcast. We'd like them to join us, and we would we would like to give you the the tools, uh, the social media possibilities, and be part of our network. Sorry, I've got a bit of gas. I'm trying to get for this. Um, so um, you can get in touch with us via our website, which is usucknetwork.com, which is powered by our friends at Web Orchard. We are looking for new podcast stars. We have had Jamie and Tom, St Jamie Westwood and Tom Stevens take Chronicles. They've they've flown the nest. They're doing their own thing right now, and that's because of what they have learned from Usuk. It was the right time for them. They wanted to. We want to do this away from Usuk now, and we we will support them in any way. Um, also, uh, coming up on the 29th of September. Sorry, Andy, this is taking a while. Uh, <laughs> on the 29th of September, uh, nine a.m., we start a live show called Pod aid uh we're going to carry on for 24 hours we're not going to stop till 9 a.m on the 30th of september which is international podcast day we have our main sponsors in reach who are working doing our marketing they're doing our logos they're doing a, they're working out a strategy for us we have our venue thanks to shrewsbury town the community that's my kid alfie um we have this amazing room that they're going to reach are going to transform into what the pod aid is going to be and we're doing this to raise money for the local charity lingen davis it's a cancer fund here in shrewsbury at shropshire 
and across actually parts of the UK. They do a great job in making sure people have a, a you know what they need throughout the the, the terrible ordeal or, ordeal of cancer. And the reason we're doing this is to encourage content creators around the world to do something positive in their community. If you've got a podcast, if you've got an OnlyFans, if you've got a game stream, whatever you're doing, if you've got a vlog, a blog, whatever you're doing, if you can do something positive in your community, uh, next year we're going to challenge you to do better than what we did. So that's what Pod Aid is all about. Um, Andy, you have been an amazing guest co-host. Thank you so much for tonight. Honestly, I've really enjoyed having you about. Oh, thank you, my friend. I'm always always happy to do it because you guys are doing real good work here if you have a brand new podcast you're trying to put together reach out to these guys because you're essentially getting a master class in podcasting for uh, very very little much cheaper than some of those other fly-by-night <laughs> uh podcasters and and podcast master classes uh, uh, i'm not gonna name names alex but i know exactly i know you will know exactly who i'm talking about there is a person who reached out to us last year asking a lot of questions about podcasting. And we were more than happy to give them as much information as they needed. And they now have a masterclass that they're trying to pass off on people. Don't pay for stuff like that. Come over onto this network, check it out, get yourself a, a lesson in doing podcasts, right. And join uh, a really good and, uh, and valuable network of folks. Oh, thank you, Andy. I really, I really do appreciate your endorsement. I really do. There's no charge, by the way. We're not like asking people for money or anything. Just come and join us. Put your content on our channel. That's what we want. Um, and Slade as well. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for our, our podcast. Right. Uh, this has been What's the Difference podcast. I've been Alex Whiteley. And I'm Andy Imhoff. Hey, perfect. And we'll catch you guys next time. Peace out. Hi, this is Ickis from Ariel Monsters. And um, I would like very much to ask you, if you don't mind, to watch um, the USAC Network with Tom Bruno and Alex. Oh, that's all. I have to go flush myself now.